<laughs> he's, he's just used to me being a goof. But he, um, I, I sent him a, a text really early this morning and said, I'm calling an audible and I'm not preaching my sermon. And it wasn't that I had another sermon prepared, but I did have a, a text that I've been thinking about for a couple of weeks, which is close to kind of like having a sermon prepared. Some of you know what that's like, don't you? Like, yeah, I've been thinking about this text for a couple of weeks, but I have been thinking about this text for almost a month, and I just, I couldn't, I've been, yeah, I'm just, I was thinking yesterday morning, I should tell David I'm going to do something different. But I, why not wait till Sunday morning to do that? Why not? And then I texted him right after that. I said, can we sing this song after communion? But it's a very Baptist song, and this man's Baptist to his core, and I knew he could pull this off. So, my friend David over here just pulling stuff off this morning. So there's just a lot going on in my life and a lot going on in the world around me. Uh, and just this story I've been thinking about. I've talked to the elders about this story and I've been talking to people about this Bible story and this principle that I've just had on my mind a lot. And just some of the things that I've been watching happen. Um, I've been watching... Um, there's like three or four things that I've been watching happen. I've been watching some young people who are just really, really passionate about Jesus. Um, I've got like kids from this class that I teach. I've been teaching this class for, this was like my eighth year maybe, and I've got this one group of kids who are like, can we just keep meeting with you and having coffee all summer long? I'm like, who does that? These kids got stuff to do during the summer. No, we want to keep reading a book with you. So, And then I've got this other group that doesn't even know this group. It's a totally different group. And they're just like getting together and planning nights of worship, like in someone's backyard. I'm like, well, yeah, we'll just set up some speakers and we'll plan it and we'll just invite people and we'll just sing and just invite. Like, who does that when you're 21, right? Um, and I'm just amazed by it. And... And I, you know, I've been, I've been reading books on awakening and revival for years and years and years and praying for it off and on for years and years. Uh, you know that if you pray for awakening and revival, you go through years where you're just discouraged and it's never going to happen. But, you know, um, it always happens with that age group first, right? Anybody who just went and saw a Jesus Revolution movie, you know, it's always that it seems to start there. And I just kind of wonder if God is doing a, a big new thing, right? This old stuff that happened at Asbury. And then this, I just kind of wonder if God might be doing something new. And then I got this text out of nowhere from somebody I didn't know. This young man says, hey, I'm going to be doing my first message. It's got to be 10 minutes long. I've never done a sermon before. But this girl at Starbucks, who's a friend of mine, told me that you would be willing to help me put together my first sermon. I know you've never met me. And I said, I would absolutely love that. And so he walks in the door, you're the guy? Yeah, good to meet you. Let's talk about this. So and this is the text we talked about, so I may as well not let him have all the fun. So um, <laughs> here we are. Um, there was a couple of things that have come together on this, though, and, and, and the two of them are this. Um, over the last three weeks, I have probably had at least four people <clears throat> who have told me about things that God has, has, has taken out of their lives that were very, very dear to them. And it was as if God was helping them um, get rid of an idol, or it was like God was taking them to a better place on a better path 
but there was something they had to give up to get there. And that, I keep hearing that story, and I don't know what's going on with that, um, but people keep coming to me and telling me that. Like, I was here, and this was very, very precious to me, and I even worked hard to get it. Or, in another case, um, I'll just tell this, this was nobody in this room, this was somebody else, a young man was like, yeah, I knew I was supposed to break up with this girl, it was a horrible relationship, and I didn't want to do it until God just really got in my case, it's like, you're not going to go anywhere with this, right, and it was like, okay, and it's like, so, I just keep hearing people saying, I had to give this up, and then sometimes it was like really good things, and sometimes it was not so good things, either way, God's saying, you've got to surrender this to to go forward, Um, and I keep hearing that story repeated, and it has to do with this text again. Um, and then I was thinking about another thing, and that was the fact that you guys remember last October we had that Ask the Elder meeting? Uh, the elders keep talking about the Ask the Elder meeting from last October. It's like we can't get over it, right? And so um, we were talking about the budget and finances, and it was like, ah, and we're going to die, and we're going to quit, and, you know, what are we going to do, and what's the plan, and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I believe, the, I believe we had till today. It's true, isn't it? We've got till May. What do you know? Here we are. So um, um, we're... St- we're it, I believe David Snyder used the word treading water still, and I think, I think we've been able to bump it up to like October, and so we just keep, so I don't know, here we are. So, and, and we talked about what do you do, tell people to be more committed, but it's like, no, because it feels like you guys are committed, and commitment is it's kind of what I want to talk about today, because commitment is such a strange word that... Um, like, if, I bet you if I could go back and read my journals from the last 30 years, like, commitment would be the thing that I would probably be talking to God about a lot. Like, God, help me be more committed. And that's where I would feel guilty. That's where I would feel shame. Like, God, why am I not more committed? And it would probably, like, center around like temptations, why am I not more committed when it comes to that? Or why am this? Why can't I do better at this? If I were more committed, right? We, all, we just think if I were better, if I were more committed, whatever committed means, right? Um, and I think pastors often use that word. Well, if people were just more committed, and, and sometimes I think people are very, very willing to be committed, um, some people need to be committed. That was a joke. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that was different. I don't know why I did that. Um, it just popped into my head. But there's something better than commitment, I think, is what I want to get to. Because I got a story here. It's in, it's in the book of Mark. It's in other books of the Bible, the Gospels. But Mark is, I think, where I want to look at it. And I read it at the beginning of the service. Um, it's a story about the difference between commitment and surrender. Um, and why I really want to call us as a church to surrender and then bring us to the Lord's table and then sing about surrender. Um, so Mark uh, 14. It's a, it's a familiar story, but I want to just kind of walk us, walk us through this story. Um, surrender is greater than commitment. Um, they've, they've been... Um, the Lord's Supper together. Jesus has 
said somebody's going to betray me. Judas gets up and leaves like he's washed their feet. All that whole scene, this whole upper room thing has happened. Everything that happens in that room. Somebody's going to betray me, he says. Which one's it going to be? Judas gets up and leaves. Oh, he's going to take care of the poor. Uh, He breaks the bread. He gives the cup. Lays it all out. And then it says in Mark 14, 26, they sing a hymn. Um, And they go out. And then he just, he just, what seems like out of nowhere, you're going to all fall away. Now, it's one thing to look at a, a group. He said, one of you will betray me, and the betrayer leaves. So we're down to like 11. And he says, you're going to all fall away, which seems to come out of nowhere. But it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to have a Bible verse for it. <laughs> yeah, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So not only are you going to fall away, it's been predicted. Like, this is going to happen, guys. This is going to happen. And then he says something else that seems out of laughter. But after I've risen, risen? Guys, I told you about this, right? I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles. I'll be beaten, arrested, beaten, killed, crucified. I'm going to die. Three days later, I'm going to, I'm going to rise again. And so he just like skips that and says, strike the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. And then I'm going to rise, and then I'm going to go ahead of you. As if to say, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again, I'm going to go into Galilee, and you're going to meet me there. Like, it's all summed up in just a few words. I've got a, here's the plan for the next few days, guys. You're going to scatter, I'm going to die, rise again, meet you in Galilee. All in just a sentence. Can you imagine their heads are like spinning in this moment? Of all people, who would speak up in this moment? Peter. Peter. Jesus, I don't care if everybody else falls away. I'm committed. <laughs> I'm not going to. Like, like if you're there watching Peter, like and you're the one to describe Peter, you're, you're sitting back watching this take place, you're going, man, that Peter, he is passionate. Hey, Peter, he's, he's committed. Like, if everybody else falls away, he's saying, I'm in, Jesus. I'm committed. And, and he not only tells Peter, not only are you going to fall away, here's exactly how you're going to fall away. You're going to disown me. And you're not just going to disown me once. You're going to disown me three times. And Peter, who should know better by this point to disagree with Jesus insisted emphatically, like he's in Jesus' face. You know, he don't, he's not, he's just insisted emphatically. Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And everybody else is like, yeah, me too, me too, me too. What he said, what he said, man, we're in Jesus. We are committed and you know Jesus is on the inside going, <laughs> okay. So they go to Gethsemane, and Jesus says, you guys sit here. I'm going over here to pray. And then he takes Peter, James, and John, the th- three, a little further, and it says he begins to be distressed, deeply distressed. He begins to be so troubled. And he says, my soul is overwhelmed to the point that I, I'm going I'm to die. Like, I'm troubled to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. 
Can you imagine feeling that troubled? He goes a little further. He falls to the ground and he prays, if it's possible that this hour may pass from him. Abba, Father. Look who he's talking to. Abba, Father. He said, everything's possible for you. There's... Abba, Father, there's nothing you can't do. Take this cup from me. This, this cup that I'm about to have to drink, take it from me. Yet, this isn't about what my will. This is about what you will. This is a moment of surrender to Abba, Father. He turns back to his disciples and they're asleep. Hey, Simon, Peter, he addresses Peter. Simon, you asleep? You couldn't watch for an hour? Watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing. The body is weak. The flesh is weak. He turns around, goes away, prays the same thing again. Abba, Father, everything's possible for you. You can do this any way you want. You can, you can take this path any way, direction you want. There's nothing you can't do. You can take this cup from me, but this is, isn't, this is not what I want. This is what you want. Not my will, your will be done. He comes back. He finds them again asleep. Their eyes are heavy. And it says they don't, even know what to say to him. They're speechless. They're just like looking at each other like, what do we say? We're asleep. He's over here grieving to the point of death. He comes like he's sweating, right? You still sleeping? Still resting? Enough. The time's come. Look, the Son of Man is being betrayed in the hand of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. That's surrender. Commitment was taking a nap. Surrender was sweating and just giving himself over in the most difficult moment to his Abba Father. Now, who you're surrendering to makes all the difference, does it not? (laughs) Like, your Abba Father... You're my dad. And I, there's a lot people are saying these days about, no, Abba doesn't mean daddy. This isn't a term of endearment. But I just find it fascinating that he uses both. And when I was in Jerusalem sitting in the Jewish quarter, I was sitting on a low wall eating the best chocolate croissant ever made. And I'm just sitting here enjoying this. And there was a synagogue and a school sitting right here to my left. I'll never forget this. And there's kids outside playing. And of course, they're all speaking Hebrew and they're running around, but it doesn't matter because kids are kids are kids, right? And so the little boys are picking on the little girls and the girls are chasing the boys. And I'm like, this is hilarious. It's just, this could be anywhere on earth, right? And they're eating their lunch and they're just running around. And over to my right comes a man in a suit walking across this big open courtyard surrounded by businesses in the school. He comes walking across and out to my left, I hear just yelling at the top of the lungs, her lungs, this little girl, and she's just screams, Abba, 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 and she runs up, and he scoops her up in his arms. Daddy on his lunch break, coming to see his girl. 
So I guarantee you it was a term of endearment to her. Of course, it's 2,000 years later. Who knows what? I'm taking it as a term of endearment. He's talking to his dad, right? And I just sat and cried. I'm like, it's Abba. She said Abba to her dad, and he's giving her I'm just amazed. Abba Father. So that makes all the difference. And he can do anything, right? Who didn't think that of their dad? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to speculate about this, but, I mean, Jesus lived like this, didn't he? I mean, what did he say? I don't say anything unless my dad tells me to say it. I don't do anything. I watch to see what my father's doing. I do what my father does. So there's a sense in which Jesus had always prayed, not what I will, but you will. Um, But now he's to the moment of trial. And they're to the moment of trial. They just just don't see it yet. It's almost like, do you see what he says? Watch and pray that that you don't fall into temptation. And they must be thinking, where is he going with this? Like, they they're, they're still haven't pieced it all together yet. Like, it's almost as if surrender needs to happen ahead of time. You're committed, but you need to be surrendered because there's stuff coming that you're not going to be ready for. It's like you need to pre-surrender. <laughs> you, you, need to, you need to be ready ahead of time because there's things that are coming that you're not going to be ready. And, and what makes commitment fall short is this line right here. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Man, you, Peter, you are so willing to die for me. Peter, you are so willing to be the one guy who stands out above everyone else. You are so willing to, to if everybody else falls away, Peter, there is no one more willing to be committed than you. But Peter, your flesh is weak. And that is the difference. And Peter, I'm even sweating like drops of blood. And Peter, I'm even saying, take this cup from me. And Peter, I'm even having to look up to my father and say, yet not I will, but what you will. And so now, the moment has arrived. They're not ready and he knows it. He knows it. This isn't catching him at all by surprise. He just said that this is going to happen. Judas arrives, right? There's swords. There's clubs. There's an ear gets cut off. There's a kiss. There's the whole thing that happens. And they flee. And then Peter denies Jesus, just like Jesus said he would. His commitment fell Um, so this morning um, I just want to say I don't I don't want to call anyone here to greater commitment I mean commitment's not bad commitment's not bad you've been in situations where you said well I'm committed so I'm going to stick it through right I'm I'm not saying don't be committed (laughs) that'd be silly wouldn't it (laughs) commitment gets you through sometimes right it does. It, commitment's like, I'm committed. I'm going to stick this out. Um, I've made a promise. So I'm going to keep the promise. So I'm not saying don't. But there are times when commitment is about what I'm able to do, and surrender is all about what God's able to do for me. 
the rich young ruler was committed, right? Jesus, I've been, I've been keeping all these commands since I was a kid. Okay, then surrender your money. And he went away sad. <laughs> he wouldn't take the leap there. Um, I, I have a, a friend who's with Jesus now, and he, he, when he tells his testimony, he's got, he says, well, I've got a double testimony. There's the time I thought I was saved, but that was the time I told God to sit back and watch me because <laughs> I was committed. <laughs> you watch me, God. I am the man. I am going to impress you. And then there was a time I trusted him to do something for me that I couldn't do, right? Um, but do you see the difference of what I'm saying here? I'm not saying don't ever be committed. I'm simply saying there's a huge difference between what I can do for God and what God can do for me. And I have to surrender me to get God. And this looks like different things in different situations because sometimes there are, there are things that people around you will look at you and say, that's got to go. Like, like it's obvious to your friends. Right. I just, I just had this, this conversation with a young lady. It's, it's a universal principle that if a young lady doesn't want to tell her mama something, she probably don't need to be doing this, right? That's, that's just, if you, don't, if you can't tell your mama, you know what I mean? That's just universal principle. I think that's true in Uganda. But anyway, um, just, it's like your friends are all telling you this, everybody's telling you this. That's, that's one kind of surrender. That's kind of just the obvious stuff. But sometimes it's just the not so obvious stuff where um, I heard someone say, God's no is as good as his yes. Right, where God tells you no to something you did not think you could live without. Like, I really thought this is what you were going to do. I really thought this is the way life was going to go, and you went a different direction. What were you doing? And he was just like bringing you to a moment of surrender, just like getting you to the end of yourself. And it wasn't just like, yeah, I'm going to power through. It was like, no, I'm just going to bring empty hands and I'm just going to give everything. It's, it's kind of like the moment where Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot have life and bear fruit. So it's just kind of the moment of, of death to me and my will, me and where I think I'm going to be a week from now, me and my plans, me and my strength, me and my wisdom, me and my power, me and my whatever it is, my will, but yours be done. Because my Abba Father, he knows better and he can do better. Um, when, when Martin Luther called faith lifting empty hands to God, he was simply saying, I, I don't bring a whole bunch of stuff to Jesus and say, hey, look at me, Jesus. You're getting a good deal here. <laughs> when you save me, you're getting the real thing because I got a lot more in my hands than that other guy does. He's like, no, we all come with it with empty hands. So when, I say, when I'm saying surrender, what I'm saying is sometimes you bring some stuff in your hands and you give it to God and sometimes you bring empty hands to God, right? You see that what I'm saying? It's all surrender. It's all me giving up me and my gifts and then sometimes it's just stuff I need, that needs to go. But it's surrender. It's, it's putting a white flag up the pole and saying I'm yours and I'm not going to fight you over this. I'm not going to 
talk back over this. I'm just going to give up over this, right? And it very well may be that this moment of surrender is preparing me for a moment of temptation or trial that I don't even see coming yet. When my spirit is willing, my flesh is weak, it could be that it's preparing, this moment of surrender now is preparing me for when the soldiers show up, right? Um, so we're, Jesus surrendered and we get communion. Good deal? <laughs> yeah, Jesus surrendered and we get salvation out of it. That's amazing. Jesus, who being in very nature God, right, puts on flesh, becomes a servant, becomes obedient even unto death, even death on a cross, right, just, just gives himself completely over to the will of the Father, and then one day every knee will bow. Um, his surrender means our salvation, right? So um, we're going we're gonna to have communion now, and... I want this to be a moment of surrender. I want, I want you to take the elements in your hands and I want you to just consider Jesus' surrender to the Father and then I just want you to let this be your moment of saying, I surrender to you. Um, so, we got some guys, we got some guys.
So imagine hours in advance of it happening, holding a piece of bread and saying, this is my body broken for you, knowing that your body was literally going to be broken in the most painful of ways. And the surrender he would go to um, for that to happen. So when we take this bread, um, we remember Jesus, his anguish, his pain, but that he surrendered to the Abba Father's will for our salvation. So he said, as often as you eat this, eat this in remembrance of me. Same with the cup. Knowing how much blood that he would give. And then all that that blood would do. This is my blood of a new covenant. So he would give his blood and it would accomplish something. When you give blood, you give life. Um, But he said, as often as you drink this, Drink this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your surrender that means our salvation. We thank you for your body and your blood that means eternal life. I pray, God, for this moment of surrender for each of us, however that might look for each person in each seat. May your spirit lead us, may your spirit guide us, may your spirit speak to our hearts about what this can look like for us. Surrender doesn't come naturally to us. We we don't naturally just give up in a good way. We are prone even to fight you for stuff that in the end we never needed in the first place. So help us to surrender. Thank you, Abba Father, that we surrender to a good Father. A powerful, wise ever so loving Father. Thank you for receiving our surrender. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I was talking about the empty hands. I was, I was thinking about that. I was just 
thinking about that as an offering. So we're going to sing one last song about surrender. And I was just wondering, maybe while you're singing, you could just hold out your hands like this uh, to Jesus as we sing to him a song about surrender.